0: Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message.
1: Wow! 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 Good morning, Life Church. It's so good to be with you guys on today. Wow! This is actually uh, my very first time—not in Wisconsin, but in Green Bay. Isn't this like Cheesehead Land or something? It's my first time here, and I'm just so honored and uh, privileged to be here today with Pastor Sean. As he mentioned, uh, Pastor Sonny's uh, connection was way out in Seattle. We're from the Midwest, Columbus, Ohio, where my wife, Pastor Tracy, I brought with me today, and uh, one of our assistants, Kenny, is with me today. And so, just so good to be here with you. Uh, they have shown us so much uh, Green Bay hospitality, and uh, have been so, so gracious with us and uh, hosting us and bringing us in today. And so I hope that I can come alongside Pastor Sean here in this series that you guys have been in, The Rise After the Fall. I think I had a photo uh, that I wanted to show of my family. If you guys, Do you guys have that photo? Yeah, so I wanted to just show you, the Bible says to know them that labor among you. And so this is the King clan, uh, my wife, of course, and I up front. Um, My oldest son would be to your right, Devin, and his wife, Taylor. Uh, Next to her is my youngest son, Jeremiah, and my middle son on the left side, Isaiah. And then uh, Devin and Taylor's two children, our grandsons, uh, Roman and Jackson. And so they are the King clan. And so all back at home right now in church this morning and uh, allowing me to be here uh, with you guys on today. I wanna just open up with a word of prayer and I wanna share a few thoughts with you today that I think will resonate with you and be a blessing to you on this morning. Can we bow our hearts today? Father, we just come to you. We thank you for everything that has transpired thus far. We thank you for the worship, for the praise that you so inhabit. We thank you, Father, that your presence is in this place even right now and I decrease, you increase. Think through my mind and speak through my mouth as I minister to the Word of God on today. you get all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Can everybody who agree with that just put our hands together one time for the Lord? Amen. I want to look at a story here in 2 Samuel. I'm going to read a few verses. It's going to kind of seem choppy, but I'll try to paint the picture of what is taking place here. Uh, In 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, verse 2 it says, And it came to pass uh, in an eventide uh, that David arose from off his bed and walked up on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, uh, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So this story here, many of you I'm sure have heard this story about David and Bathsheba and he sees her. and. The Bible says he has wanting eyes and he goes, he's the king now, and he goes and he summons for her and brings her into the palace and basically sleeps with her. And then on top of that, he ends up having her husband, Uriah, murdered. David had him killed. He sent him in the forefront of the battle so that uh, he could take the heat on firsthand and knowing that he would probably be killed, and certainly he was. And the scripture goes on to say that this displeased the Lord. In other words, God was angry. He was wroth with David. And the Bible goes on to say that uh, the penalty would not be David's life, but there was a child that was birthed out of his union with Bathsheba, and God told the prophet that David won't die, but the child would. And so from that point on, the child had taken sick, and David had gotten so distressed, distraught. Uh, The Bible talked about how he just sat up on the earth. He was depressed and uh, just had a very, very bad time. In other words, he went from being in a high place to somewhat a low place. He was the king, but at this point, he felt very, very depressed. And so as I thought about that story and I thought about this series that you guys are in the rise after the fall this thought came to me I'm gonna make a correlation between David and a nursery rhyme or an old children's book that many of us have probably read or at least heard it's called Humpty Dumpty how many of y'all have ever heard of Humpty Dumpty yeah Humpty Dumpty set on the wall Humpty Dumpty had a great fall all the kings Now you can you can say it along with me uh, because i believe this is an equal opportunity church (laughs) that means i don't have to do all the speaking y'all can talk back to me i'm one of those preachers that like you to talk back to me so humpty dumpty sat on the wall humpty dumpty had a great fall all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put humpty together again. Y'all know that story. And so I want to just talk about those three points there. Humpty sat on the wall. He had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Uh, Number one, if you guys take notes, I want you to write this down. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Walls, as we understand, are for protection Walls uh, In the Bible, we know this to be true. Many of the walls that were built, it was to protect people from the onslaught of the enemy. Walls are for privacy, right? Walls are partitions. They bring some sort of separation or division to spaces. Walls are high places. I want you to think about this. David, the scripture says, he walks up on the roof of the king's house. He's the king. He walks up on the roof and I am going to make this correlation that he began to sit on the wall and he watched this woman named Bathsheba bathing or washing herself. I remember uh, growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I grew up in a very low economic side of town in Columbus, Ohio, and we were probably nine or 10 years old, and in our neighborhood, there was this wall. It was probably about nine feet, maybe 10 feet tall, and me and my friends would climb the wall. And we would like to go up and sit on the wall and have us some Fago pop and some potato chips and just sit on the wall and just view life from the wall, right? In other words, that wall gave us a different view, a different perspective. We thought we were able to look at life at another level. Sometimes, here's what I wrote in my notes, sometimes the wall that you sit on is your world view.
0: That's
1: yeah, the wall that you sit on oftentimes is your worldview. Your worldview is simply the lenses that you look through to view life. It's your worldview. I'm reminding of a story of a woman who kept complaining to her husband. She's in the kitchen looking out the back window and she said, I don't know why Miss Johnson keeps hanging up dirty clothes on her line. Every week she washes clothes, and they're always dirty. Has no one told her how to properly do laundry and wash clothes? And she would say this week after week, and then finally one morning her husband comes into the kitchen, and with some excitement on her voice, she said, Honey, finally Miss Johnson has learned how to wash clothes. She said, The clothes are clean. I wonder what happened. He said, I'll tell you what happened. I decided to get up early this morning and wash our windows. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Because life isn't always what it is. It's based on the lenses that we often look through. Uh, How many of you know it's fascinating sometimes how you can have two people who experience the exact same thing but see it differently? Absolutely. Don't elbow your your spouse right now. Don't elbow your spouse right now. I understand. I understand. I get it. but you can walk away from it with a different perspective. It can even change you and make you act differently. Uh, there's a great story, uh, I've told it a number of times in our church, I'll share it with you today, it's a story of twins named Johnny and Jimmy. And uh, Johnny was a successful CEO of a major corporation, a high-rise downtown in this city. His brother Jimmy was an alcoholic, he was a drunk, he was a bum, living on the streets. And so the news media wanted to do a story on the brothers, and so they uh, actually went to uh, Jimmy in the slums, you know, behind the dumpster, alcohol bottle in his lap, and said, hey, Jimmy, I understand you have a twin brother, and you know, he's doing very well, and you know, you're sitting down here as an alcoholic, drunk, he said, "Why, why are you a drunk? And Jimmy said, why am I a drunk? He said, because my father was a drunk. He said, and I can't remember the time that I saw my father and he wasn't inebriated, always drunk. I can't tell you the times that my father would come home late at night and wake me and my brother up out of our sleep and he would verbally and even sometimes physically abuse us and abuse our mother in a drunken stupor. He always had liquor on his breath. I don't ever remember talking to my dad without smelling the liquor that was on his breath. And you ask me why, I'm a drunk? They said, but your brother, he's running a multi-million dollar business in High Rise downtown. He's not a drunk. He's not drinking. Why is that? He said, why don't you go ask him? So they took up all their equipment. They went downtown to the High Rise to talk to Johnny. They said, Johnny, we just left your brother Jimmy down in the slum. And we asked him a question. We want to ask you somewhat the same question. We understand that Jimmy's an alcoholic. He's homeless. You're doing a successful business. Why aren't you a drunk? He said, why am am I not a drunk? He said, because my father was a drunk. He said, I can't ever remember a time seeing my father when he was not inebriated. He said, my father would come into the room at night and wake us up in his drunken stupor, and he would verbally and oftentimes physically abuse us and abuse my mother. And you ask me why I'm not a drunk? In other words, both of them had the same experience, but they looked at life through different lenses. In other words, some people look at life through the lenses of a victim. Others look through it as through the lenses of a victor. Even some Christians, sadly, but true, we look at life through the lenses of secular human you know, worldviews, right? Or we look at life through a maybe a, a self-centered worldview or a secular worldview. But what would happen if we looked at life, and we looked at life through the lenses of politics? Uh, okay. And then on top of that, we said, you know what, we look at life through the lenses Of ethnicity and then you know what on top of that we look at life through the lenses of modern culture and then on top of that we look at life through the lenses of money I probably look like Steve Urkel on steroids I can't see a thing right now I am like blind as a bat and my eyes are closed Luke chapter six, verse 39, it says something like this, if the blind lead the blind, they may both fall. I'm gonna to get to that, the second part of Humpty's story. <laughs> he said they may both fall into the ditch. In other words, people fall, or people are blind, not oftentimes because of the lack of sight, but it's because they're looking at life through too many lenses. Wow, that's so good. And like I said, I don't have my eyes closed. They're wide open. But because I'm looking through so many lenses, I can't see a thing. And God does not want us looking through at life through multiple lenses. God wants to shape our world through Worldview, I'm sorry, through one lens, and that is the lens of scripture. He wants our worldview to be a biblical worldview. And so when uh, Humpty sat on the wall, I'm saying that sitting on the wall oftentimes can simply be your worldview. The second thing in the story, it says Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Mm. Maybe lust was his fall. Maybe pride was his fall. You know, the Bible says that pride goeth before a fall. Maybe greed was his fall. Maybe self-exaltation was his fall. We don't know because the story doesn't tell us the reason for the fall. I don't know, maybe the fall was because of a slippery wall. Maybe the fall was because of a wavering wall. Maybe the fall was because of a crumbling wall. But when I think about human nature, you know what I think? I think Humpty climbed the wall like we did as children to elevate himself to see or to reach something that was out of his grasp. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm like David did with Bathsheba. And ruin is always the result of trying to grasp things that have been put out of our reach. And when you do that, you risk the fall. Like Satan, he tried to grasp for a position that was out of his reach in heaven and it resulted in his fall. Nimrod wanted to build a tower to reach the heaven and God caused it to fall. I can see Eve right now on her tiptoes reaching for the forbidden fruits that resulted in Adam and Eve's fall. David saw Bathsheba while he sat on the rooftop on the wall and he reached for her and it led to his fall. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, but Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Someone in here has reached maybe for a relationship through an affair and had a great fall. Someone in here has reached for an alcohol bottle and had a great fall. Someone in here has reached for some dope and had a great fall. Someone in here has reached for pornography. I've been doing this thing a long time, just sit there and look straight ahead at me, but you had a great fall. Someone here reached for running with the wrong crowd and you had a great fall. Someone in here reached for dishonest gain, making money illegally and you had a great fall. Mm Mm-hmm. Over 35 years ago, it would have been, I reached for fast money. I reached for fame. I reached for flamboyance. I reached for a fancy lifestyle, and it led to my fall. I ended up serving three years in a United States federal prison because I wanted to serve drugs. I was reaching for something that had really been put out of my grasp and it led to my fall and I ended up serving three years in a United States federal prison. It was my fall. Please don't look at me in that tone of voice. Because you know why I'm in good company? Because Paul in the Bible went to prison. Silas in the Bible went to prison. Peter in the Bible went to prison. John the Baptist in the Bible went to prison. Joseph in the Old Testament in the Bible went to prison. Martin Luther King went to prison. Nelson Mandela went to prison. My point is you can't do anything great for God unless you go. Yeah, gotta go, gotta go. That is the prerequisite, not seminary, (laughs) prison. And I had a great fall. And I remember standing in the courtroom as the judge was about to pass sentence on me and my family's behind me and Tracy's behind me and this is her and I have been married 30 years this year on Christmas. We've been together 40 years. We were together 10 years before we ever, so we were like an elementary school project that got out of hand, right? That's that's what happened. And so she's standing behind me. The judge asked me to stand if I had any words. And as he's about to pass sentence, I look back at Tracy, who was just my girlfriend at the time. And when I looked back at her, somewhat, somewhat under her voice quietly, she says, I'll wait five years. The judge handed me three years. I turned back to her like, I expect you to wait. And she waited for me for three years. You can't tell me I don't have a good woman. Yeah, the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing. There are many a women who can't even wait for their husband to get home from work before they pack the house up and leave. She waited for three years when I had a great fall. We had just had our oldest son, Devin, who I showed you. He is like 33 years old, 34, somewhere in there now. He was like eight months old when I was sentenced to prison. So I, I wasn't there for his first words. I wasn't there for his first steps. I wasn't there for his first day being entered into you know, preschool. I had a great fall. I wasn't there for his birthdays that would be coming. I wasn't home for my birthdays. I had a great fall. I wasn't there for you know uh, Christmases I wasn't there for Thanksgivings and any other family get-togethers I'd had a great fall matter of fact now I have a number behind my name I have a felon on my record I had a great fall not only that I'm having to deal with the embarrassment and the guilt and the shame that came along with the decision that I made I had a great fall. Many of you know what that feels like. Many of you know what it feels like to be at a good place or seemingly a good place in your life, and all of a sudden, one bad decision, something can totally change the trajectory of your life, and you've had a great fall. And that's what happened to me. I had a great fall, just like Humpty, who sat on the wall he had a great fall. The third point I want to get to is then all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Second Samuel chapter twelve verse sixteen it says David therefore pleaded with God for the child. Remember I told you the child was sick and David fasted and went in all and, uh, and lay all night to the ground. Uh, verse seventeen says so the elders of his house arose and went to him. He's the king. I want y'all to follow this. The elders of his house, all the king's horses, he, these are the king's men. They went into his house to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put David back together again. You know, Humpty was a human. Y'all remember seeing it? Matter of fact, I was in Target the other day. I stay in Target. I call it (laughs) Target. It's Kind of the upscale name for the store that I like to go into. And I saw the book Humpty Dumpty in the children's section and I was about to buy it just to bring it to show it to you, but I thought, nah, I'll just tell you the story. And it reminded me that Humpty was a human in the form of an egg, basically. How many of you have ever been cooking eggs or whatnot and accidentally dropped an egg, cracked an egg, broke an egg? How many of you know that it's literally impossible to put that egg back together? You can have some Scotch tape, some duct tape, some super glue, some nails. How many of you know sometimes you can create a bigger mess trying to clean up your mess? but you just can't put it back together. And here's the thought I begin to have. Humpty Dumpty was a human in the form of an egg. The egg represents the life of a human. Think about this, humans were three-part beings. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. That's the three-part being of a human. The only reason we have a body is so that we can navigate this world so that we can move throughout the earth. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, but we live in a body. An egg has a shell which represents the body of a human. It has an egg white which represents the soul of a human and deep on the inside it has an egg yolk which represents the spirit of a human. It's one thing to have a broken shell, it's another thing to have a splattered egg white or a busted yolk. It's one thing to have a broken body, a broken arm, a broken leg. But how many of you know it's another thing to have a broken heart? It's another thing to be raised in a broken home. It's another thing to be the recipient of broken promises. It's another thing to have fractured feelings. It's another thing to have a crushed Spirit, It's another thing to have shattered hopes and busted dreams. Who can put all that back together? He says all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And we've all had our experiences with the king's men. Today we would call these failed efforts by names like Oprah, the king's men. We would call these failed efforts by names like Dr. Phil. We would call these failed efforts by names like Montel. We may call these failed efforts by names like psychotherapy. We may call these failed efforts by names like self-help books. We may call these failed efforts by names like hypnosis. We may call these felt efforts by names of a considerate bartender who counsels us as we cry in our beer on a bar stool. But they all are simply feeble failed efforts trying to heal the human brokenness. The woman with the issue of blood, she was Humpty Dumpty. She had an issue of blood for 12 long years, leaking life. And the Bible says she sought the king's men, the physicians, the surgeons, the doctors, the specialists. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says she did not get better, but rather she grew worse because they couldn't put her back together again. There's a man down at the pool of Bethesda who had been there for 38 years who had this infirmity. He too was Humpty Dumpty. When Jesus came on the scene, the Bible says he noticed he had been in that condition a long time. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? And the man began to refer back to his past. He said, every time I go to go in, someone steps in before me and he says, I have no man. I have no man to put me into the pool because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put this man back together again. The prodigal son was Humpty Dumpty. The prodigal son had left the father's house. The Bible says he went out and he wasted his substance in riotous, wild living. That means he ruined his life. How many of you know when you ruin something, it's it, it's done. You can't refurbish it. You can't fix it. It's ruined. He literally ruined his life. And the Bible says that when the famine had hit, there was no man to give unto him all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put the prodigal back together again david was humpty dumpty david was so low he was the king but he was broken he was in distress in despair when his men went out to try to speak to him and raise him up they could not do it because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put david humpty back together again can i submit to you this morning that i was Humpty Dumpty, yeah. Many of you were Humpty Dumpty. There may be someone sitting in here right now under the sound of my voice that says, you know what, preacher, you're talking to me right now. I feel like Humpty Dumpty. I was broken, I was damaged goods, I was beyond repair. I was looking for love and affirmation and fulfillment in all the wrong places. There's a song that we sing in our church, and I'm sure you sing it here, and it goes like this. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. You came along and put me back together. Now y'all can tell that I don't care what y'all think about my singing. Because all the king's horses and all the king's men didn't put Humpty back together again. But you came along, that's you did, and you put me back together. Now every desire is satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing that's better than you. How many had that testimony this morning at Life Church? There is nothing better than you. When I came home from prison, God had did such a transformative work in my life. I had just moved like at warped speed. Things was going so good. I was seeing so much success in my life that my parole officer went to the judge that had sentenced me and told him how well I was doing. The judge was baffled at it because he doesn't normally hear those sort of success stories with all the recidivism rates that happen in prison. So he said to my parole officer, I want to meet this gentleman. And at the time her and I had just gotten married, he said, I want you to bring him and his wife into my chambers to have lunch with me. And so we went to the judge's chambers to have lunch. We're going in there and to our surprise, he has news media from our city there. He has cameras and lights and all this because he's wanting to do a success story on me. We're about to go into his chamber and he called his stenographer in. It was her day off, but he called her in just for this. When we're walking by her, she said, I've never seen anything like this. I've been working here for 30 years and I've never seen anything like this. And I said, what is that, ma'am? She said, where a judge who has sentenced someone has now brought them back into his chambers to have lunch with him. She said, I've never seen it. We went into the judge's chambers. We had lunch with him for like two hours, found out that he was a believer, a Christian, a strong Christian. Her and I still from time to time have lunch with him. For 30 years later, we meet once a year with him to have breakfast with him. We sat in his chambers that day and we talked. And at the end of our conversation, he said something to me that I will never forget. He said something to me that made a mark on me that will never be erased. Here's what he said. He said, whoever would have thought that the man I sentenced over three years ago would be sitting in my office today having lunch. He said, only a God could do that. All the king's horses, all the king's men, couldn't put Humpty together but God is in the business of putting humanity Humpty Dumpties back together again Life Church it has been a pleasure ministering to you today I want to ask you to stand to your feet for just one moment for just one moment because just maybe There's someone in here this morning, under the sound of my voice, who says, Pastor, I've been humpty-dumpty. Pastor, I feel like right now I'm humpty-dumpty. I've reached for something that was really out of my grasp, and I've fallen. And I don't even know how to get back up. I don't even know where to begin to start sewing things back together. It's like a cobweb. It's just so many threads that I don't even know where to begin to unwind. But the God that we're talking about this morning, the Bible says he's a mender of broken hearts. God knows exactly how to put us back together again. I stand here this morning Because of the glory of God. The goodness of God. The grace of God. Shouldn't even be here. Grew up in the ghetto in Columbus, Ohio. But because of God's goodness. A few weeks ago, I'm preaching at a church like this. And Pastor Sonny just happens to be there. And God makes a connection with your pastor and I. And I come here today on April the 24th to talk about Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) Let me pray for you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just blanket this entire sanctuary and all those who may be watching online who say, you know what, preacher, I feel like Humpty Dumpty. I want you to just surrender and submit the elements of your brokenness in the hands of God. The eggshell, the egg white, the egg yolk, the body, the spirit, the soul. Whatever it is that's broken in your life, would you just right now just submit it in the hands of a living God and watch him? mold you that's what he told the prophet when he said go down to the potter's house and watch me do a work on the wheel and the and and, and the clay was dropped and marred in the potter's hand but he picked it back up and he refashioned it and shaped it to his will I sense right now God is doing that with somebody's heart with somebody's marriage with somebody's teenager with somebody's career with somebody's ministry God is putting it back together again. I pray these things over you today, Life Church, and I pray that the testimonies will begin to roll in how how God is putting you back together again. It's called the rise after the fall. God bless you guys. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.